You are now tuned in to the High History Podcast with your host, the great Stone Dragon. Hey, I have been waiting for you to come back home. Forgive me, baby, I want to make things right. Got a call from my unknown number. 3 a.m. in the morning. Kiki went digging for my phone. Got to know about me. And John said to myself, What did I do? Hold on, look, I lose Kiki. But you, she slapped me in my face and ran out in the juke. Kiki, where you go? Tell me where you go. Why you go out? Wagwan, welcome to the High History Podcast. I am your host, the great Stone the Dragon, and we are live in the nation's capital. Washington DC and on today's episode we're going to be talking about the African influence on Caribbean music what you just heard in the opening intro is a soca song and this particular soca is from Saint Lucia now as many of you know there are people of African descent in the Caribbean and this is due to the slave trade obviously however the same musical traditions that we find in the Caribbean can often be found in Africa. And why is this the great stone dragon? Because although they were brought over in bondage, they were also brought over with the same knowledge and the same culture that they had maintained back in their country. Some were from Nigeria, some were from Senegal, some were from Dahomey, what is now known as Benin, uh, some are from the Congo, uh, a lot of different places they were from. And so there were many different musical traditions and many different musical styles. Now, what you must understand is that all of these different peoples don't speak the same language. These people are different tribes. So the tongue is very different. And so in order to communicate, they figured out a way to communicate with each, with each other through drum. And this was even before slavery. And when they were doing this, they were able to transcribe messages. Uh, they were able to tell stories. They were able to do a myriad of a bunch of different things. And so by the time they're in slavery, they're now using this to talk to each other about how to make it in the field. A lot of these different places had sugarcane plantations. Some had tobacco plantations. And the work absolutely was horrible. But the only way they knew how to communicate and have fun was through music. And so we are going to go on a musical journey about three distinct musical styles that can better explain the influence of African music in Caribbean music. So the first one we're going to talk about is Bomba. Bomba originated in Puerto Rico. And this was a tradition amongst the slaves who were there because at the time they were in the sugarcane plantations. And so they produced rum. Oftentimes, they would make their drums out of rum barrels. And they would take these rum barrels, or bombas as they call, 
and they would cover it with goat skin. A female goat skin would make it a high pitch sound and a male goat skin will make it a low pitch sound. How did they know to do this? Because it's the same thing as a djembe. A conga, a bomba, a duduk, anything like that is the same as a djembe. That is how they created their drums in Africa and so they transitioned it over. They never forgot how to do it. They just now have rum barrels to do it. It made it easier. You didn't have to cut a tree. Not only were they doing this, but they were putting messages in what they were doing. So oftentimes it would be their spirituality because when they came over, they couldn't worship their gods. A lot of them practice Santeria or Voodoo or different things, Espiritismo. And these African practices were forbidden. So on certain days, like the Festival of St. James, they would take their messages and take the mask and hide it in the celebration. And the masks were used to scare off evil spirits and pirates. And so the important, the most important thing to understand about Bomba is that the dance and the drum went hand in hand. Another way they used this was to express their frustration. And they couldn't talk about their frustration or else they'll, they'll face the wrath of the atrocities of slavery. They would be killed, they'd be hung, uh, they would be raped in front of the, in front of the plant, different things. And so they would take their frustrations that they had on the plantation and they would put it in their feet and in the drum. So what happens is in a typical bomba, Alina, who's a female vocalist, she will give a call and the people would give a response. So she might say like, where is the girls? And then should the, the village would be like, the girls are in the club tonight. You know, or something like something to that extent. And oftentimes this will be in one, two or in six, eight. The music would immediately start. You had the bombas, you had a maraca, and you had what is known as a qua. And this was a Taino instrument, but it'll eventually be known as the claves. And so they put their traditional beat from Africa into the clave. And you can hear this in most Caribbean music. You can hear this in most Caribbean music. It is what you call a 3-2 clave. And it goes like this. Bop, 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 bop. In any Caribbean music and in any tempo, well, most I should say, in most Caribbean music and at most tempos, you can find a 3-2 clave to fit in the beat pattern. And then they put what is known as a cinquillo, which is a series of five beats to come after the three, two clave. So the clave will go pop, 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 do, 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 do. That's the cinquillo. It's a series of five beats. And so they did this in Bomba and they did this in many other musical traditions, but they were hiding the frustration in the beat. So they would also communicate the dancer who wears all white. She would look or he would look at a drummer and he would pick the drummer 
and he would say with his feet, hey, and the drum will hit with the hey. So it'll go something like, hey, I'm tired. These niggas getting on my nerves. I'm about to kill my motherfucking master. That's how it would go. And so this became a tradition of Puerto Rico because everybody figured out a way to hide the meaning in the song and in the feet. But in the 50s, it became racialized. And they said that this music was black. So it never really achieved the mainstream music kind of experience. But it stayed in Puerto Rico and it's still a popular genre in Puerto Rico today. And it is a direct reflection of African music. So listen to this clip of Bomba and enjoy. Dicen la negra Martina que brinca por los palacios, cayó dentro de una olla, de bandazo entre las mallas. De bandazo va ella, de bandazo, de bandazo anda ella, de bandazo. Ay, que de bandazo, de bandazo, la negra Martina cayó en la malla, de bandazo. De bandazo va ella, de bandazo, de bandazo anda ella, de bandazo. And that was Bomba. You hear the distinct African rhythms that are placed in the music. It's important. African influences everywhere in Caribbean music. Especially this next one. This next one comes directly out of Haiti or Haiti, if you will. And this genre is called musique Razine. Now, in order to understand this genre... We're going to delve deep into some political history real quick before we understand how this genre came to be. Musique Cuisine originated in Haiti and it translates to roots music in Creole. And this is also known as Creole music. And so at the time, this was like in the in the 70s, the, the 70s and 80s. There was a president named Jean-Jacques Duvalier. And he was the son of the previous president, Francois Duvalier, who was also known as Papa Doc. Now, Papa Doc had a son, Jean-Jacques, and he was known as Baby Doc amongst the people. At the time of his presidency, the Constitution was like the Constitution was broken. And because it was broken, it basically meant he had omnipotent power. So he was going to promise all these things and make all these things happen, but he didn't. He got into some real fucked up shit. He was in the drug trade. Um, he trafficked human body parts. Um, he hired unqualified cabinet members. And then some of the citizens, he left to be tortured, killed, and robbed. And not only was he doing this, but he was also disrupting the voodoo practices. And in those practices, he would bribe the he would bribe the, the voodoo priest and he would he would pay them off to do certain, you know, spiritual acts. And he was really messing up the tradition in 1985. 
Haiti was like, yo, fuck you. We want you out of here. So they're pressuring him to resign. And it got so bad that Ronald Reagan interfered and was like, yo, you probably should step down. And so he stepped down, but then he fled the country for 20 years. And so when he left, it allowed for voodoo practices to be restored and to be uncorrupted and go back to what it really is. And in 1987, at the time, the people were also listening to rock and roll, but they knew voodoo drumming. And so they took the voodoo drumming and the voodoo messages and the voodoo principles and they mixed it with 80s rock in order to create a music called Musique Razine. And in this, you can find lyrics dealing with the themes. Uh, you can find lyrics dealing with the deities. Um, and then others are just, you know, for fun and dance. Some of them you listen in, you listening to at carnival. And so there are two essential beats, the Radha and the Petua. So Radha, the beat kind of gives a chilliness and a little mysticism. But the Petua brings like a, a thunder and a fire and a really heavy drive. But they mixed all of this, their traditional rhythms, with guitar and horns and keys and bass and drums. And then they added the lyrical structure of what rock and roll was at the time, but only in quail. And they were talking about the deities and the themes. As a result of this, this became a very popular music in Haiti, and it is still a popular music today and is played at their carnivals, along with soca and other and reggae and, and merengues and all of these other genres. But it was born from the African spirituality. The African influence was not only in Puerto Rico, but it was in Haiti and it was a French colony. So check out this little clip of Musique Razine. Oui. And that was Musique Razine. And so now, lastly, we're going to look into an English colony where we see the presence of African influence as well as in the French colony and in the Spanish colony. So we're going to talk about roots reggae. So reggae in introduced itself in the 50s and 60s, and it wasn't really reggae. It was known as ska. And ska was basically, at the time, any music from Jamaica that was kind of like R&B or kind of doo-wop or kind of like beach music or something like that. And so these instruments were typically guitar, the bass, the set, um, the keys, um, and then you had horns as well, so they were playing trumpet, saxophone, uh, trombone, and they would basically be inspired by like R&B music, uh, jazz music, and what is known as mento music. 
But at a certain point, when they were developing and doing skia, they started to slow it down and they added offbeat guitar riffs. So it would go, that would be the guitar. Most of the music at the time spoke about love until maybe about the 70s. And at the 70s, the, the Rastafarian movie, the Rastafarian movie, what the hell? The Rastafarian movement would kind of gain steam and build up popularity. And so they would start to get into the genre. And the concept they started to introduce was Ja Rastafari. And they would introduce justice and poverty and government corruption and woop-de-woo ganja. This would turn into roots reggae. But the difference is, is that the roots reggae was from the Nyabingi sect of Rastafari. The Nyabingi have a distinct story about how they came from Africa and how they were in quest of a mystical drum and Queen Nyabingi was able to have it. So um, the Nyabingi did their drumming in a circle. There was one large drum and there were a set of smaller drums as well. And every Nyabingi song starts with two beats followed by a rest. And this is to emulate a heartbeat. So a Nyabingi circle or a Nyabingi chant will always begin with something like doof, doof, rest, doof, doof, rest, one, two. It is the heartbeat because they believe that the drum was the heartbeat and the sound was the heartbeat of life. One, two. That's what it was. Left, right. And so this was incorporated with the ska reggae and they made it famous. You know, Toots and the Maytals and, you know, different people like Peter Tosh, but Ultimately, the person who would popularize it and make it big was Bob Marley. And so we're going to take a listen to some roots reggae. And you can hear the difference between reggae now and reggae during Bob Marley's time. Check it out. Most high prevail when you do it with all your heart and prosper. It with just a part and fail The service is the worship So let the will of the Most High prevail The harvest is plenty The fruits are ripe and drop uh, Too many distracted By the rat race to the top uh, But I and I And so that was Roots Reggae. You can hear themes of spirituality. You can hear the drumming. You can hear the connection to Africa in this style of music and in many other Caribbean styles of music. So there's soca, calypso, merengue, salsa, rumba, you know, uh, punta, not, not puta, punta. P-U-N-T-A. 
Um, you can hear it in in big drum. You can hear steel pan. In every branch of Carib Chutney, in every branch of Caribbean music, there is always an African influence. Just as there was an African influence on the music in Spain. What a lot of people don't know is that in Spain, when the Moors invaded in 711, the African Muslims brought their Arabic African mixed music to Spain. And they played on instruments such as the oud, which would become the guitar, the duduk, which is a, a version of a djembe, but it sounds much higher, the nay flute, and this would influence the music of Spain and Europe. And so much so, they had a songbook. And in 1492, when Columbus came over, they brought the Afro-Andalusian songbook. And these were songs written by the Moors, the black Moors of Spain. And so no matter what culture is in the Caribbean island, whether it's African, Native American, or white, there will always be an African hand on everything because Africa is the source of all life, the source of all civilization. We know this. When they found the first, when they found Lucy, the, the first hominid skeleton, where was she? East coast of Africa, Ethiopia. Where else? Where else? That's where we come from. We are all African. And we must remember that no matter where we come from, no matter who we are, at the end of the day, we are all African. We'll be right back to the High History Podcast. We're not frightened for nobody, but we respect everybody, and we better than everybody. So may we run with anybody. No boy, no better than we. No boy, no better than we. The band me can and say, run the for dance and fancy. On a bag of long talking, do something, do something, do something, do something, do something. Something, do something, and a bag of long talking, feet no, just do something, do something, do something, And we're back to the High History Podcast, and now it is Weed Talk with the Great Stone Dragon, where we just sit around and we talk about something weed related. And so on today's episode, I'm going to talk about how I don't understand why niggas can't smoke no weed in the military why niggas can't smoke no weed as a police officer and why niggas can't smoke no weed in the FBI and the secret. I don't understand that shit. Why ain't you letting them niggas smoke? First of all, in the military, these niggas are, are they sign up to say, hey, if shit go down, you might have to go somewhere and and shoot a nigga. Uh, you might have to go somewhere and see one of your niggas blow up. You might have to go somewhere and you might have to get shot at. Like, what? You mean to tell me I can't smoke no weed, but you you going to make me go get shot at? What? What? That doesn't make any sense at all. And you know what's really crazy? Over there in Afghanistan, when they, they be, I be looking at the videos, they over there in Afghanistan smoking weed. Because 
They got weed out in Afghanistan, real Afghan Kush. Why do you think that? They out there growing beards and drinking beer and shit. They're getting shot at. And you got a whole bunch of other people waiting in line to potentially, what? Man, let them smoke weed. They ain't gonna come to, look, if shit go down in the United States and a nigga high right now and all of a sudden, boom, a fucking, a fucking missile hit the United States, you think the nigga just going to sit there and be like, damn, a fucking missile hit the United. No. That nigga high, he going to be like, shit, I, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do what I got to do. And he going to make sure that he calm down. He going to remember all his shit that he learned in basic and remember all this shit. He learned in combat, whatever the fuck. He going to remember all that shit. All of it. Weed ain't going to stop him. And then you mean to tell me the police officers can't get high and these niggas out here killing niggas? Excuse me? You mean to tell me that you are training police officers to think weed is bad and yet you don't give them niggas an opportunity to figure out that weed is good and it ain't really no harm. Just keep it out the hands of kids. You mean to tell me that if I become a police officer and I want to do good for my community and I ain't hurting nobody, you know, I'm doing my job while making sure everybody's best interest is in, is in you know, is in good standing. I'm upholding the law, making sure kids go to school. When I go home, I can't smoke no weed. If I'm off duty... I can't smoke no weed. What you gonna do? Call me, tell me some shit going down. You know what I'm gonna do? All right, cool. If you really need me, all right, cool. Let me chill out. Let me do what I gotta do. Get over there and make sure that everybody's good and make sure all parties are accounted for. I can't smoke no weed. I can't smoke no weed if I'm in the FBI. I'm stopping niggas from, from bombing places and shit. I'm stopping niggas from 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 fucking robbing banks and 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 fucking kidnapping and sexual. I'm really I'm, I'm stopping niggas. And you mean to tell me when I'm at home I can't smoke no weed and I ain't doing shit off duty. If I'm in the Secret Service I can't smoke no weed neither. Shit, I don't even got to be a president bodyguard. Make, shit, maybe the nigga standing outside with a gun and then just let me go home and let me do my shift. I ain't finna be on no bullshit. I ain't finna come to work high as hell. But best believe, when I get off of work, shit, nigga come around trying to, trying to shoot up the White House. I bet I shoot that nigga. Then I go home and smoke me a blunt just to, just to deal with, with the, uh, the, the emotional, the emotional pain that, you know, may come with that. The fact that I just killed somebody. We don't know what these niggas minds is going through. Shit. Let them niggas smoke weed. It'll help them feel better. It'll help them understand it ain't bad. It'll help them understand that when we out on the street smoking weed, we ain't doing 
We ain't doing shit to rob nobody. You don't infer that we robbing people or we out here causing trouble because we out here smoking weed. Or you don't infer that you can't do your job because somebody want to smoke some weed on their off-duty time. Let them smoke weed. I would. Shit, if I was president, it's Ronald Reagan's fault. It's fucking Ronald Reagan's fault. He said, anybody that work in the government, y'all get drug tests because we don't want no niggas doing drugs. But weed ain't a drug. Weed a plant. Man, fucking Ronald Reagan. But anyway, we'll be right back to the High History Podcast. Que no sea lo que yo quiera, que sea tu voluntad, pero quiero libertad para decirte en verdad que eres lista. Te escribiré unos versos. Te los mandaré mañana en otro papelito. Te mandaré a decir la verdad. Thank you for coming out to the High History Podcast. And now, Street Poems with the Great Stone to Dragon, a series of poems inspired by the streets, read in poetry style. And now, please check out my mixtape. Please check out my mixtape. I've worked so hard. All the money I have comes from the boulevard. Slanging dope to make dreams. My dope is made fiends. But my lyrics help niggas read the lines in between. I mean, in between the lines. Maybe they still need work. But I've learned more in the streets than I have in the church. So I write them all down. Record them on the mic. Told my baby mama, I can't watch them. I'm at the studio tonight. But I'm a good father, so I brung them along. Their eyes filled with wonder. So I put them on a song. I do it all for them, trying to make sure they eat. Don't want my daughters on the pole or my sons on the street. I travel around town with my tapes in the trunk, hand them out to all my niggas, strangers, the town drunk. I put my heart in the music, my feet firm on the ground. Listen to this track, see? I've mastered my sound. One day I want a label to send a check in the mail. I can use that money to pay the homies bail. Then I used the rest to buy my mama a house. No more sharing a project with Minnie and Mickey Mouse. So do me a favor. Take one. It's free. Just please check out my mixtape. Because it literally means the world to me. And that was please check out my mixtape. Once again, thank you for coming out to the High History Podcast. I am your host, the great stoned dragon. And until next time, stay stoned.